Welcome to the First Baptist Cadillac podcast. First Baptist Cadillac is a growing intergenerational family of faith whose mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Join us each week as we engage God's word together. We would love to hear from you. Please contact us at firstbaptistcadillac.org or text WELCOME to 231-261-1112. This is a little different, right? We're all in one room, a shorter worship set at the beginning, and that's, that's by design that it's that way. Um, and I think you'll understand as we go, but um, since we're here all in one space, the message is kind of split into to two chunks this morning. Um, and you'll understand that as we go. So let's pray as we get, get ready to get started here. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be here in your house this morning to worship you and to praise you. We thank you for the birth of your son that we've just celebrated um, yesterday and we continue to celebrate today. I pray this morning that as we look into your word, uh, that we catch a glimpse of what it means to celebrate Christmas um, and that you would speak through me, God, not that these words would be mine, but that they would be yours. Uh, and I pray that you would open our eyes to see your face and our ears to hear your voice this morning. And then we pray. Amen. The Old Testament prophets foretold of a Messiah to be born. Uh, Jeremiah said in chapter 23, verses 5 through 6, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. And then Isaiah, in chapter 7, verse 14, said, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us, right? Those prophecies that, that were foretold have all been fulfilled, and that's what we are here to celebrate this morning, right? The arrival of Christ, the infant child born as the Savior of the world. For the, fa- for the past four weeks, we've been celebrating Advent. We've been preparing for the arrival of Christ. Yesterday was, I got to step down, this is too high. <laughs> Sorry, this is, I'm going to move this over so I'm not right all up in Joanne's business. Hopefully, hopefully this is, you don't, don't feel too crowded. Um, yesterday was December 25th, right? It was Christmas Day. Uh, and now most of the world is ready to move on, right? We've got maybe a week yet bef- until we get up to January 1st, but most of the world has opened their gifts and they're ready to move on to what's next. And sometimes it feels like the buildup to Christmas is almost too much, right? We, we prepare, even as the church, we prepare for, for four weeks, and then we celebrate on Christmas Eve um, or Christmas Day, and then it feels like it's time to go to New Year's, then after New Year's, it's, it's time to get on to Easter, um, and we tend to just kind of rush through things, right? The world around us, like the corporate world, when you think about it, they've been prepping for Christmas since October, and I mentioned this already, but I remember walking in to, I think it was Walmart, and looking at Hannah at the beginning of October and going, where are the Halloween decorations? <laughs> like, we skipped Halloween, and it's already Christmas in here. Um, and sometimes it just feels like it's 
build, 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 and then in a single day, it's all over, and it's time to move on to the next thing. But is that the way that Christmas is really meant to be celebrated? And I think the obvious answer to that question is no. (laughs) That is not the way Christmas was meant to be celebrated. So the question then becomes, what is next? Right? Christ has come. He's come as an infant. The incarnation happened. We've celebrated that. What is next? Our Advent series took us through the four themes of Advent. Hope, peace, joy, and love. We talked about those four themes the last few weeks. And we looked at four different characters. Simeon, the shepherds, Zechariah, and Mary. And this morning we're going to look briefly at some more characters in the story of um, Christ's early life at his birth. And we're going to look back at the, the shepherds for just a short bit. But for the first of those characters, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 11. So if you want to follow along in your own Bible, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, or it's going to be on the screen. And if I didn't mess up, it should match this time. I know it didn't last time, so it should match this time. Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 11. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it was written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means among the rulers of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for this child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now during this time period, astrology was a really common practice. It was a very common practice. It was um, a very, at least thought to be a very specific science. Um, And I think generally we would agree that stars have a fairly regular pattern. Right? Certain stars are only visible during certain seasons, and certain stars are only visible in certain parts of the sky. And generally, we can anticipate with a relative degree of accuracy where certain stars are going to be. The stars are one of the greatest things that point to the pattern and order that God created the universe with. And as a result of that constant pattern... People believed that the stars that you were born under played a really large role in the destiny that you would fulfill. There's speculation that Christ's star might have been Halley's Comet, or that it may have been a a perfect alignment of uh, planets. But the one thing that's true 
no matter what the circumstances, was the fact that it was a star. Right? There was a star in the sky that shouldn't have been there. It, wasn't, it didn't belong. It was out of place. It was something out of the norm. So this was a really big deal. It meant that something was happening of such importance that God had reordered the stars in order to announce the arrival of a new king. Right? That's how the wise men would have read the signs. They would have understood that God was intervening in this moment in the world to announce the arrival of a new king, and along with that new king, a new reign. And Christ, he didn't come into a world that was ignorant of the potential of a new king. That was something that I kind of always assumed. I knew that the Israelites were waiting on a new king, um, but I didn't realize that they weren't the only ones waiting on a new king or the only ones anticipating a new king. Many cultures believed that there was going to be this new king that was going to usher in a golden age, right? a new reign. Uh, the Jews, the Romans... Um, the Armenians, there's all sorts of different people who are anticipating this king to come. And how fitting is it that it was into this time period of expectation that Christ was born? Right? The Christ who is going to save everybody of their sins, not just the Jews, but everybody. Right? Christ was born, the king, the savior, the prophet. He's born into a world that was expecting a new king, not just a nation that was expecting a new king. It was into this expectant world that Christ was born, and then these wise men saw the signs that they'd been waiting for. So they loaded up their camels, they embarked on a journey to welcome this new king into this world that they lived in. So what is it exactly that we can learn from their example? I know every week we... We, we conclude the message with, uh, you know, so then how, how, so then shall we live, right? You think of the whole message this morning as, so how, this, you know what I mean, how should we live then? Close enough. Close enough. Chad's more fluent in King James than I am. <laughs> so what is it that we should learn from their example? There's three sets of characters, actually, in this first bit that we can learn from. The first is Herod, right? We see Herod, and he responded in hatred and hostility because Jesus was a threat. Jesus was somebody who was coming who was going to completely interrupt his current way of life. So Herod saw Jesus as a threat. And if there was a new king, it meant he was no longer going to be king, so he responded the way any king would with hostility and hatred. The thing is that many people, not just King Herod, but a lot of us, when we're faced with the decision to welcome Christ into our lives, respond with anger and hostility because submitting to Christ's rule in our hearts means life change. It means something is going to be different. It means setting ourselves aside and our will aside and letting somebody else direct us, guide us, make our decisions for us at times. That's not always easy to accept. So sometimes we respond like Herod. Second, we have the, the, chiefs, the chief priests and the scribes, and they responded with ambivalence, right? They really didn't do anything. They ignored the king. They ignored the arrival of the Christ child. And the sad thing was that Bethlehem was only five miles away from Jerusalem, 
I didn't realize how close these places were. Five miles is, is not far. That would be like getting done with church and walking to the country club. It's a, it a walk. It's a hike, especially now that we're used to vehicles, right? But it's not far. We could do it probably in an afternoon. <laughs> it is not a far walk, and yet these chief priests who had been waiting years and years and years for a Messiah to come see the signs that they've been talking about, and they didn't do anything about it. They didn't even bother themselves to go and check it out to see if what they heard was true. They just ignored it for one reason or another. And then third, we have the Magi, the wise men. And they traveled a great length to worship Jesus, right? To fall at his feet and to praise this newborn king. You have to wonder if they got what they expected, right? After traveling miles and miles and miles, did they expect this baby to be born to, you know, a 12, 14-year-old with her soon-to-be-wed husband and just kind of odd, awkward circumstances, right? Like, is that what they were expecting? But it didn't matter. When they got there, they worshiped. They, they were humble. They adored this king regardless of what he looked like. Right? These grown men, they fell on their knees before a baby boy and they worshiped him. They gave the very best gifts that they had to offer. Right? Gifts that, likely unknown to them, prophesied of who he would become. Right, Gold for a king, frankincense for a prophet, and myrrh to a savior to be crucified. And I think the correct response here that we can take is worship, right? The Magi worshiped, and I think sometimes we get so caught up in everything that's happening around Christmas. Even in, even in our Christmas services, we sometimes get so caught up in everything that's going around us that we don't really worship, right? We talked about that last two nights ago. How sometimes we sing Christmas songs and we just sing through the words and we don't even think about what, we, what it is that we're singing. We don't fully engage. So usually, I would say, as you go home today, take some time to worship. But rather than doing that, we're going to have the worship team come back up and we're just going to take some time right now. And worship. We're going to take some time and sing some songs and praise. And feel free to sing. The common floors are a little hard and um, uncomfortable. But if you feel like you want to kneel somewhere and you need some sort of altar, you know, feel free to come up to the stage and kneel. Kneel where you're at. Focus on the words and, and pray. Whatever it takes you to fully engage in worship. Just try to figure out how to set aside everything that's going on outside of church this morning. Don't think about the party that's coming up this afternoon or tomorrow, the difficult life circumstances that maybe have really encroached on your holidays this year. I think there's probably a lot of us in here who have gone through a lot this last season. We lost, lost people, uh, had difficult financial circumstances, different health circumstances. Try to remove all of those barriers and just solely focus on Christ the newborn king as we worship this morning. Let's sing. <laughs>
felt good. <laughs> Man, you know, it's... When you really, when you just sit and you think about it for a minute, where he came from at birth, and then 30 years, give or take, everything that happened. But when you think of those last two songs and the whole story and everything that Christ's life encompassed and everything that he accomplished, the miracles he did, man, that's a lot to think about and a lot to worship. As we get ready to wrap things up this morning, I want to look back just briefly at Luke chapter 2. In the account of the shepherds where it says, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary pondered treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Amen. Just like we can learn a lot from the wise men, there's a lot to be learned from the shepherds. And in verse 17, we see as soon as they had an encounter with the angel, they rushed to confirm the news that they had heard. They didn't delay, they didn't ask questions, they didn't debate, they rushed to see this newborn king to see the infant Christ child that had been born to a virgin mother. And when they saw that the message was true, they carried the message to anybody who was willing to listen. And the people who heard it wondered. Not as in, I wonder what's happening here, but they were in awe. They couldn't, they couldn't believe what was happening. They were in awe. They were wondered. And then in verse 20, we see that their response continues and that they returned to worship. After their message had been carried and after they had gone out, they returned to worship again. The wise men were warned to not go tell Herod about what had happened. If you read their story, they had been told not to go tell him. They were to keep their encounter with God to themselves. However, the shepherds were another story. They didn't have that warning, and they had big, big news that they wanted to share. News that they couldn't keep bottled up, right? The world needed to know that the message that, that they had received was one willing and worthy of hearing. The world needed to know, so they began to spread the world, word, and that was their proper response, just as it's our proper response, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not something meant to be bottled up and kept close. That's right. It's a message that the world needs to hear. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. 
It says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. If you've spent much time in the church, that's probably a verse that you've heard before, probably more than once or twice. And if you're new to the church this morning, that is our mission as Christians. Right, to go out into the world to share the good news that 2,000 years ago, Christ came into the world as a human baby, miraculously born to a virgin. He experienced all the ups and downs of human life that we go through and somehow managed to live a perfect life free from sin. He was then condemned, he was crucified, he died, and he was resurrected three days later. And then he ascended to heaven to send the gift of the Holy Spirit so that all those who would put their faith in Christ would be saved. And not only that, but that they would be empowered to live a life free from sin and to spend eternity in heaven. Isn't that an amazing message? And it all starts here. The shepherds probably didn't know yet that that was the message that they were sharing. They probably didn't know that they were the first forerunners of the gospel. But they shared what they knew. They shared the experiences that they had. And I think that's the example that we can learn from the things that we can take away from the shepherds. Right? Even as your pastor, I don't have the answer to every question you're going to ask me. I wish I did. It would be awesome. But that's just not the case. And you're not going to have the answer to every question about faith that people ask you either. But what you do have is your experience, you have your story, and you have your salvation. Yeah. Right? And those are all things that you can share with the people that you know, anybody who is willing to listen. Right? And it's okay that your story may not be complete, your story may not be perfect, it may not be pretty. It's still something worth sharing. Right? And you think about the shepherds, they're a bunch of dirty outcasts who didn't belong in the manger with the Savior of the world, and yet... They were called and sent to see him. That was one of the things that stood out to me this week as I was reading these two passages. These people who are polar opposites. You've got the wise men, right, who were likely rich, powerful men who had to travel a great distance, who had to humble themselves to kneel before a child that they had expected to become a king. They brought some of their most valuable possessions these were really important people, and they had to humble themselves to kneel before Christ. And then on the other hand, you have the shepherds who, out of their lowliness, lowliness and their isolation, were actually lifted up. Right? They were lifted up, and they were brought out of the fields, away from their isolation, away from their lowly status, and sent to herald the arrival of a newborn king. Some of us need to remember that to truly put our faith in Christ... Like the wise men, we need to be humbled. Right? We need to remind ourselves that we can't do this on our own. That Jesus is worthy of our praise no matter what the circumstances are, no matter the ups and downs of life, no matter how great we might think we are in our own eyes. We have to set aside our will and to pursue his will with everything we've got. Right? We need to be humbled and reminded of our right place in front of an all-powerful God. And then on the other hand... Some of us need to be reminded that even though we may not see anything of value within ourselves, even though we may seem unworthy 
of God's grace. He came anyways, and he chose us anyways. He chose you, right? Even in your weakness, to bear his image, to be a representation of his hope, his peace, his joy, and his love to the world that we live in. Right? Everybody, no matter the position of life that you find yourself in, is able to play a role in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in this kingdom that we live in. I love what it says in the Westminster Catechism. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. The question this morning is, how will you do that? Here we have the example of the shepherds. We have the example of the wise men. If you read the beginning of the Gospels, there's a whole lot of other examples that we can learn from, but let's just focus on those two for this morning. <laughs> and I hope that you'll join me in, in worshiping. Right, as you leave this morning, even though we spent some time, as you leave this week, spend some time worshiping. If you're looking for another chance to spend some time worshiping together, there's a worship night at Rehoboth, New Year's Eve, 630 to 738 o'clock, give or take. What a better way to start the new year, right? Worshiping and praising God. And then to share God's story. Right? Those things aren't, aren't things that are mutually exclusive. Those are things that we're all called to do all the time. And I think sometimes we forget and we lean towards one or the other. But as we leave this morning, let's focus on making both of those things happen. So if the worship team would come up, we're going to sing one more song together this morning. Um, it's a slightly different version of one that you've heard before. I think you'll hopefully love it. Um, but as they come up, let's pray. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here this morning. To kneel before you. To kneel before the Son of God and to worship. To praise. To give the gifts that we have back to you. I pray this, that as we prepare for the new year that we won't walk away from Christmas as if it's one day and one isolated event but that we live this story every day of the week every week of the year that we would understand that this isn't part of a story it's the beginning of the story that just continues and continues and continues and God I pray that you would empower each and every one of us to share our story that you would place people in our lives people in our path to share your good news with. People who are ready and willing to hear your gospel, to receive it, to put their faith in Christ. And I pray that you would grant us the words to speak. God, you are an amazing God, and we live to serve you. In Jesus' name, amen.